1: Welcome to the Mini-Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, October 8th. We had a date with the round of 128 yesterday at Indian Wells, technically the second day featuring main draw action, but our first day of exclusively main draw play it was a fantastic day of tennis from start to finish, three set matches across the board, plenty of of storylines for us tennis fans to enjoy what I want to do on today's show, recap all of the most notable results, talk about the biggest takeaways from Thursday's matches at Indian Wells. Of course, I have to touch on the American men, 10 of them competing on Thursday. They go 6-4 overall. We're a couple of three sets away from an 8-2, and 9-1 sort of day. I want to talk about the standout performers offer my takeaways from the American men it, uh from the many American men's performances uh, of course have to talk a little bit about Golubic and Vondrusova as well it was probably my favorite match of the day Golubic a three-set victory over this year's Olympic silver medalist I want to talk about what she's accomplished down the back half of this 2021 season it's the little breakouts that we tennis fans who follow the action day in day out have learned to enjoy and certainly we have seen that from Golubic here down the home stretch of 2021, of course. Got to talk about Kim Kleister's return to Indian Wells, even in a loss. She was so exciting in her three-set performance run through the rest of the day's results, of course. Give you my brief thoughts on Friday's matches, although, of course, if you are looking for a more extensive preview, looking for my picks each and every day, hop on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. You can find our Ace of the Day segment over on that podcast. But, of course, again, Run you through all of Thursday's matches, give you a brief preview for what to expect on Friday, the agenda for today's show. Of course, before we get into any of that, I do want to remind all of you listeners that the reason these podcasts are made possible is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, the support we get from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, who of course get our Match of the Day segments, day in, day out, me highlighting my favorite match, breaking down the stats, breaking down uh, my prediction, the key tactics, etc., etc., You guys heard a match of the day segment here on this feed yesterday. If you are interested in hearing more of those or just supporting the work we are doing here at Crack Rackets, you can join our Crack Rackets Patreon family by going to our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, last but certainly not least, a huge Thank you to our friends at Tennis Point. And sincerely, please don't hit hit the skip 30-second moment uh, button right now. I do just want to make a plea to all of you. We are so grateful for their continued support. Sincerely, it helps pay the bills. It's what allows us to make all of this daily content freely available to all of you listeners. The way you can express your thanks to them. Tennis-point.com. Anything you need from an apparel standpoint, from an equipment standpoint, they've got it at the best prices. You go there, use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, but you'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. I would not say it if I did not sincerely mean it. We could not do these podcasts daily without the support we get from them. The least we can do. Ask you to support them as well. Tennis point, the symbol, not the spelling, tennis point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's talk about Thursday's matches at Indian Wells. And let's start with the American men. Again, six and four on the day. You almost want to talk about the losses that we experienced more than the wins we saw here on Thursday, particularly given a couple of those matches were the nightcaps: J.J. Wolf, Stevie Johnson, two of the best college tennis players of the college uh, of the 2010s, both come oh so close to earning main draw victories. Stevie down a break in the majority of the first set, comes back to take it seven six, drops a six three second set to Davidovich Fokina, trailed by a break for a majority majority of that third set, gets the break back, holds for 5-4, 30-all point felt like Stevie had his chances, that felt like the game from an energy standpoint, from a momentum standpoint, forced Stevie to take the match, and he just wasn't able to do it. Davidovich Fokina able to come up with a good serve, able to just withstand the physical stress of a two and a half hour match, and of course the takeaway from watching a day of Indian Wells play, ugh. Slow, gritty outdoor hardcourt tennis. Might be some of, if not my favorite tennis to watch it's just damn near impossible for any of these players to hit a winner on these courts and that is a testament to the importance in the development of physicality you know the importance of physicality and the development for all of these players of their physicality here on tour it's just you know with how quick these guys are and how much these courts slow down your shots they're going to track down everything every uh, point is going to force you to hit that extra shot. One more approach shot winner, one additional put away volley. You just have to be prepared, have to be in position to make that extra ball. And while Davidovich Fokina didn't have the big weapon to hurt Stevie with, while he didn't have, you know, the big serve, the big plus one ball to just relentlessly attack the Stevie Johnson backhand, you know, he continued to uh, stand stand the test physically, you know, get out there for those kick serve returns and track down the Steve Johnson first volley, force him to make second approach shots, second volleys, make him work side to side to side, offer him opportunities to run around that ball and hit a... inside out or inside in forehand but if you're going to do that taking advantage of the open space on the deuce and just forcing him to track down that ball over and over again over the course of the two hours this was a much-needed win for Davidovich Fokina who quite frankly has not had a lot of success here down the home stretch of 2021 you look for him uh, down you know since uh, really making uh, that quarterfinal run at the french open i believe he's now 13 and 12 overall you know wins a match at eastbourne before having to withdraw goes to wimbledon and unfortunately loses you know first round match five sets brutal draw against dennis kudla loses first round in canada to uh john isner you can understand that loses first round three sets cincinnati to hercots you can understand that but those are tough draws for me just hasn't had a lot of wins you know Five-set loss for him to Trungaletti at the U.S. Open. That's one you know he'd love back. Yeah, he beats Jill Simone in three sets at the Moselle Open, but loses to Basilashvili, loses to Benoit Paire in the run-up to this event. You know, again, that's, what, six losses in his last seven matches, and this was a much-needed win for Davidovich Fokina, who has made jumps here this season. You look for him overall right now in the rankings, currently number 44, but he's going to end this season in the top 50. Davidovich Fokina right now, 32nd in the points race. He's positioned himself extraordinarily well for his age 23 season in 2022, going to get to play whatever matches he'd like to play. The key is he's going to get tested from the get-go because he's not going to be a guaranteed seed at the 500s, at the 1000s, and you know He'll be right on the border at the slams. And as such, he's going to have tough first-round matches. So he's going to have to bring his A game from the start next season. But again, this is a very impressive win uh, for Davidovich Fokina over Stevie. It's funny. We're talking about the American men, and I'm talking about Davidovich Fokina here. Nevertheless, I thought Stevie competed extraordinarily well. And you look for Steve Johnson now here. Of course, we've still got Paris to go. And it'll be interesting to see if he ends up squeaking in there on his ranking. But you know, he's currently 88th. Right now, in in the top 100, you look for him in uh, in the live ranking, excuse me, 114 in the points race. He's talked openly about it. You know, he wants to be playing Grand Slams, ATP Tour level matches. If not, you know, who knows how much of Stevie we'll be seeing in 2022, those opening stages that Australia run, getting into one of the 250s or the warm-up events there, and just, you know, again, winning a match in Australia. That'll be critical for him early in the season now he's got french round third uh french open third round points to bank on but i think his level's improved again quarterfinals city uh at the city open before losing to sinner close losses in los cabos in atlanta he's been right on the border i think stevie's still playing good tennis i think he still belongs in the top 100 Uh, of course jj wolf i think is now 8 and 11 or something 8 and 12 maybe since returning to court from injury here in 2021 but I believe now five of those losses have been in three sets. And you look at who the losses are to Isner and Nakashima and, you know, Francis Tiafo. Here he loses 6-4 in the third set to Vashik Pospisil. And he was down a break for the majority of the first set. Got the break back. Served at 4-5 before getting broken again. I mean, his serve, his plus one forehand, they're ATP tour level weapons. He can keep pace with a Vashik Pospisil. And this match was front foot. Power tennis. If Davidovich-Fokina Johnson was a physical battle, this match not as much so. You look for both guys. They, you know, for JJ, he wins sixty nine percent of his first serve points. Vashik wins seventy five percent. Both guys over fifty percent on their second serve points. I mean, again, it was front foot, first strike, power tennis. And JJ was right there with the Vashik possible. So who's? Not the top 50 player he once was, but still has those sort of weapons, particularly on a hard court like this, to impose his will. And, you know, again, at a certain point, close losses are no longer going to cut it for JJ. To crack the top 100, be the player he can be and wants to be, you got to win a match like this. But considering the circumstance, considering he's still getting his legs under him, I think J.J. will be racing his way back to the top 100. He belonged in the main draw, belonged on this stage. Again, the weapons just work. And even though, you know, he's not the most fluid athlete in the outer thirds, defensive tennis is never going to be his game. The decisiveness with he, which he plays, the huevos he has, you know, just to move forward and put the pressure on you, play on his terms, go down swinging. You love that quality for him. But in the end, Pospisil is able to advance. Now, I know those are two of the losses, Still a very good day for American men's tennis. You look across the board. Let's start with the win of the day. Marcos Giron's just—he's here to stay, folks. It, fantastic performance for him. Looked like the veteran as he should, and that's a testament to the work he's put in this season. But for Giron, who was up. You know, well, he goes down. He gets broken in the first game of the match. Goes down two love to Botick Vendison Sculp, who of course quarterfinal run at the U.S. Open. Right now, one of the tennis Twitter darlings. And by the way, October fourth, nineteen ninety five. Two days older than me. Shout out to us. Happy belated birthday, Botick. Um, but you know, Botick is a shot maker in the outer thirds. On the run, plays aggressive front foot, drop shots, moving forward. You name it, jack of all trades. He makes you uncomfortable. And he came out swinging, and these slow, high-bouncing courts gave him opportunity to bring out, you know, work the entire toolbox, play the entire playbook, and yet Garone continued to have answers. And, you know, Garone gets the break back and ends up leading up 6-5 in the third set and felt like he had a million opportunities to get a second break in that first set and just kind of take that set from Van scope. And then Van Dessenskulp goes on to race out to, what was it, a 5-1 lead, I believe, in the breaker and just, you know, goes up, I, I think it was 5-1, and then Girone works his way back, but still Vandison Scope in the end able to take a 9-7 first set, and you just feel like a lesser player, a player who has not gone to battle week in, week out for you know, 50 plus weeks straight, like Marcos Giron has at the ATP level, they may have folded after a tough physical hour plus long first set on a slow hardcore against a guy who's clearly in form, clearly feeling his rhythm. That's not what Marcos Giron did. Comes out firing, races out to a four-love lead in set number two, takes a 6-2 second set, and again, his physicality, his willingness to suffer from the baseline, his ability to change direction, his fluidity in the outer third, his ability to freaking slap that forehand on the run— it was good enough for him to win out. He earns a 6-7, 6-2, 6-4 victory. Wins seventy-seven percent of his first serve points. Only faces four break points in the match. It's broken just once at one time, opening game of the match. Was just rock solid on serve. And you look for Marcos Garon now with this victory. Goes without saying, he's once again up to a new career high. Marcos Garon now currently number fifty-eight. In the live rankings, you look for Garon in terms of the points race with this sort of result. I mean, Marcos Garon. he's been a borderline, you know, he's number 61 right now in the points race. He's been a top 60, top 50 sort of guy, and you just look for him 14-6 and six now in the 21st round matches he's played this year. That's how you become top 75. That's how you reach a new career high end. You look for Marcos Giron, again, just, you know, he's defending serious points here at this Indian Wells. Made the round of 32 back in 2019 and now has a very winnable match against Philip Krainovich as well. And you just look for Giron this season, 79.6 hold percentage. Now, you know, that 79.6 amongst top 50 players, it's not exceptional, but you look at where that 79.6 number would rank, it would be right above Roberto Bautista Agut, right below Sebastian Corda. would be about 34th amongst top 50 players. You look for Marcos Giron, his break percentage, 20.8%, we say it all the time, if you're below 20, you've got yourself a problem, if you're above 30, you're the elite of the elite, that 20.8% would rank right behind Lloyd Harris, right above uh, Milos Raonic for 37th amongst top 50 players. So does he have a single elite trait? Probably not. He doesn't hit the serve 140. He doesn't blast each routine rally ball forehand by you. But he's exceptionally quick. He's minimized his weakness. He's a fine volleyer who knows when to move forward and what to do with the first volley. You know, sometimes a bit tentative with the overhead. Hits his serves well. Hits his spots well. Again, a very good mover. Very fluid in the outer thirds. Comfortable hitting off of both wings. Can go down the line with both shots. Can have plus power to get a ball by you when you're not expecting it. Marcos Guerrero is just an extraordinarily high floor player. And given the injuries he sustained early in his career, to see him this healthy now and just playing confidently – It's one of the feel-good stories of this 2021 season. He's not going to win most improved player in a season that saw, you know, Hubi Hurkats win a Masters title and more notably perhaps Cam Noor just be so rigorously consistent throughout the course of the season. You see, you know, the jump from a guy like Kasper Rude. He's got to be in contention. Aslan Karatsev, Arthur Rindernesh. But the improvements made by Marcos Guerrero should not go under. It. It's a fantastic win for him in what has been a fantastic season. You also got to give a shout-out to a fellow former UCLA NCAA singles champion. And I did this rant on the Ace of the Day yesterday. But the fact that there was a team that had Marcos Guerrero into the second round of Indian Wells, currently top six, uh, 70 in the world. Mackie McDonald into the second round of Indian Wells, currently top 60, uh, 60 in the world. Neither guy played number one singles, and it was justified because they had the number one player in the country at the time, Clay Thompson. Well, it wasn't justified, but it was relatively justified because they had the number one player in the country, Clay Thompson, the big serving and volleyer, not the Golden State Warrior, playing number one singles for them. They had a healthy Gage Brimer playing four singles for them. Carousel playing five, and Puget or you know DiGiulio, whomever it may be, playing six, and that team did not win the NCAA championship blows my mind, blows my freaking mind every time you bring it up because, again, Mackie belongs in the top 100, Mackie's a top 50 hardcore guy, and you look for him to earn a 6-3-6-3 6-3 victory over an inform the duck, James Duckworth, that's just Mackey ball at its finest in a slow hard court i mean he will track down a ball on any sort of surface that's or any sort of hard court regardless of the court speed you give him that much more time he's got the plus power the sort of quick twitch quick fiber uh, tw- you know twitchiness to blow a ball by you and just again down the line, short angles, moving forward, ability, fluidity in the outer thirds. Yes, the Mackey serve has historically been the side that struggles for him against high level ATP competition, but faced two break points in this match. Was broken one time, won 77% of his first serve points, 54% of his second serve points, won, uh, I believe it's, what is this number? 61% of his second serve return points, and Duckworth only made 47% of his first serves in the match. Mackey was in control from start to finish. And again, Duckworth's coming off of semifinal and final performances the past couple of weeks over in Europe, and Asia, on the indoor hardcourt swing. You know, he made it, what was it, the final in North Sultan, or semifinals, whatever, I think it was the finals, and then maybe it was quarterfinals, actually, in Sofia, not semifinals. But the point is, he made the finals in North Sultan that's the slowest hardcore i think i've ever seen and so these conditions were similar for him despite being outdoors despite being you know multiple time zones away and yet mackey gave him the business mackey just had the bigger weapons. The Duck couldn't hurt him. Mackey played extraordinary tennis. And so it is not a surprise at all to see Mackey McDonald also at a new career high in the live rankings. You look for Mackey right now. He currently sits at number 54. That's a new career high for him. You look for him in the points race. Mackey McDonald's number 37 overall just on the season for Mackey. You look for him this year. He is, I believe, 48-26. and 26. In his last 52, 40 and 21, 66% win percentage. That two thirds rule, folks. That's why he's moved up towards that top 50 final at the City Open. Fourth round for him in Australia this year. You know, qualifies in Miami, wins a match there, qualifies at the French Open, wins a match there, qualifies at Wimbledon as well. Did it the hard way after coming back from injury, has worked his way back inside the ATP Top 60, where again, clearly, Mackie McDonald belongs, he was spectacular, again, a 3-3 three and three win over the duck, and then a couple of must-wins, quickly, just I want to run through, obviously, from the American side, I, I do want to talk about the non-American results as well, but we had 10 of them in action, Look, Francis Tiafo, given the season he's had this year, Francis now overall, you look for him in 2021, obviously round of 16 for him at the US Open, third round at Wimbledon. He made, I believe, what was it this year in Australia, second round before he lost in to Djokovic round of 16 in Miami, uh, round of 16 for him in Canada, you expect him to To beat Benoit pair. And that's exactly what he does. Four and four win, was in control from start to finish, could match the slices of pair, but then had the physicality and just the discipline to wear him out on these courts as well. Francis dominated him. And given the season Francis has had, you know, again, you look for him in 2021, 31 and 22 overall, that's what he should be doing to a guy like Benoit Paire. That's how you get to where he's at, number 51 in the live rankings, and you look for Francis with his victory back into the top 50, number 50 overall. Uh, one more win for Francis here this week. He'll jump back up to number 48, a good weekend. He can get himself back in the top 40, which again is where I think we all agree Francis Tiafo belongs. The, the longer the match, the more physical it becomes, the better the Francis. That was a good victory for him. And then it really was. I know no round of 128 match can be must Win, but it was a must win for Tommy Paul, particularly given the fact that you look at his opponent Feliciano Lopez here this season. I mean, Feliciano had, I believe, is 14 and 25 in his last 52 weeks, 12 and 22 here this year, has now lost, uh, I believe, it's five, uh, excuse me, uh, seven of his last eight matches. I mean, again, Feliciano Lopez just turned 40 years old. He's still out here on tour grinding. But that's a match on a slow, hard court. Tommy's got to beat Feliciano because, you know, again, you have more time on that return of serve. You have more time to track down the first volley. You have more time to just put pressure on him uh, as the opponent, and yeah. Tommy, six three, seven six victory, a little dicey in the end, but gets over the finish line. You look for Tommy Paul, you know, again, it's been up and down, but now twenty-five and twenty-three in his last fifty-two weeks, qualified in one matches in Canada, in Cincinnati, now gets a win here in Indian Wells as well. You know, again, He's the jack of all trades, and he's a guy who, much like Davidovich-Fokina, we know he's got a plan B, plan C, plan D. But what does the best version of Tommy Paul look like? What is he going to do to win points easily for himself, week in, week out, to sustain you know a top forty ranking like the big servers, Opelka, Fritz? You know what they're going to do to have success, and so that's why they've been able to sustain themselves. Guys like Tommy and Francis, who've got a lot of skills, but maybe not the most clear game plan to make things easy for themselves. It took them a little longer to figure it out, but Tommy Francis figuring it out, two good wins for those two young Americans. You look at the two other results I haven't mentioned, or I think three other results, Max Cressy, I love it, slow, hardcore, gives him time to get you know get so close to that net when he's hit the big kick serve. He plays a guy in Laszlo Jure who does not have a lot of clay court success, and that's a win Cressy's got to have. He has it, 6'7", 6'1", Cressy working his way towards the top 100. You look for Max Cressy now, currently at number 143. That's a new career high. One more win. He'll crack the top 140, get up to number 134 in the live rankings. Uh again, good result for Mackey. Unfortunately for the Spider Man, looked great for through the first nine games, but then I believe loses nine of the next ten. Caruso a six three-six one win over the Kalamazoo champ. I still I like the improvements I've seen from Spida. Just so rock solid. I don't know what the weapon is yet. I don't know what he's going to do to make life easy for himself. But he is going to make life miserable for opponents throughout the course of his career. And again, 18, soon to be 19 years old, plenty of time to continue to develop. I liked what I saw from him. Sam Querrey didn't get a win in the North American hardcourt stretch. I think lost first round at uh, all of the summer events that he played. Once again, he loses 6-2, 6-4 to Daniel Altmeyer here at Indian Wells. I mean, it was a good result for Altmeyer, who really does have one of the most beautiful one-handed backhands you'll see, but it's a tough loss for Querrey, no doubt about that. You look for Sam right now in the live rankings with this loss. He has dropped all the way down to number 93 in the live rankings here's a crazy thought. I'm just looking at their ages. Steve Johnson, 88 in the world. He's now 31. Kudla, 90 in the world, 29. Query, 34 years old. Tennis Sandgren's 30. Man, no comment. Um, Anyways, that was your American results on day one. You do look at the other men's results. We did have some non-Americans playing in the draw. You look across the board. Again, I, I don't think anything was too dramatic. I thought Sun Wukwon was going to, after he won that first set 6-1 over Guido Pea, I, oh, Tennis Sangren. speaking of which, that's the other match I didn't mention. 6-4, 6-3 victory for him. He looked good over uh, lefty Diego Montiero on a surface. Montiero is off, you know, slow, a high-bouncing hard court. He loves that sort of condition. And yet Sangren just... A little bit easier for him to work his way around the court. But in terms of the non-American results, again, when Sunwoo Kwon, who is coming off of the title in Nur Sultan, similar conditions here. He won that first set 6-1 on Guido Pea. I thought Kwon had it. But credit to the lefty from Argentin- uh, Argentina, 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 Argentina—excuse me. Just again, was relentless and just high bouncing, getting that first ball so high up on Sun Wu Kwon that you know again, Kwon five ten, five eleven. It just felt like he was at a deficit in the majority of his returning points. And Paya was so disciplined with that first forehand, changing directions, moving it around the court, finding it in general. The ability just to hit the ball at will. Uh, again, that's a really nice win uh, for Paya in three sets over an informed Sun Wu Kwon that was one of the ones that surprised me on the day Alexi Popperin 6 over Kasimenevich that was a really fun contrast of styles you also saw wins from Taberner, Taro Daniel uh, earns a victory on the day Carbeas Banya Straight sets over Renzo Olivo. And then Kei Shikori in the end. Three-set win over Jao Sosa to advance to the round of 64. Those were your men's results on the day. We flip gear now. Talk about the women's results. You have to start with the battle between Golubik and Vandrusova. This match was a seesaw affair. And I think it was two and a half, almost three hours uh, in total. But you look ultimately in the end. It is Golubic A 6-1, 4-6, 6-3 victory. Over the silver medalist from uh, at this year's Olympics for Gullibeck. It was just how much pressure she put Vandrousova under in every sur- uh, with every one of her returns you look for Vondrusova, wins only 58% of her first serve points 46 uh, 2% of her second serve points face 14 break points in the match you look in total in this match 7 plus 9 is 16 26 total games 13 total breaks of serve in this match again 50-50 split holds breaks it was it was a seesaw sort of affair, you know. Van goes down a set and a break very, very quickly. She then works her way back, able to get back on serve, and it just felt like both of them were on the precipice of getting broken in every service game down the home stretch of that second set. Van so hard to hit a winner on her. On this surface, she really is a top five mover in the women's game, but Golubik kept swinging away, and I love that one-handed backhand from Golubik. I love her ability to drive through the ball off both wings, her willingness to move forward, and whenever Van played the slice, although she did have success working in the drop shot when Golubic would be cheating too far behind the baseline, but you know, again, Golubic is willing to move forward, is willing to make you uncomfortable, and it's super, super enjoyable to watch. So uh, I really did enjoy uh, just seeing... Uh, you know, again, the contrast of styles in this match. I really enjoyed uh, the pressure. You know, co- the competitiveness. She continued to fight even when, you know, getting the break back in the third, but then giving it right back to Golubik. This was a fight to the finish, but ultimately, again, Golubik too powerful in the end. She earns the three-set victory. You look for Victoria Golubic here, the soon-to-be 29-year-old, another one of October's very own. Um, here across the board, uh, here, excuse me, on the board. She's been exceptional over the last 52 weeks and in 2021, 47-21 overall in the last 52 weeks, 46-19 here this season. Obviously, the breakthrough run to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon came after qualifying and making the quarterfinals in Eastbourne. She won the title in St. Malo uh, earlier this season as well. She made the final in Monterey earlier this season, That's hard courts, that's clay courts, that's grass courts. She even made a semifinal out of 25K on carpet earlier this season. She's done it across the board. Of course, you look at the level of competition that she's faced. She's cleaned up against opponents ranked outside the top 100, 31 and 6. That's how you solidify your place in that group. Of course, you look at her against opponents ranked uh outside the top 50, you know, 39 and 12. So that means she's what? 7 and 6 against p- opponents ranked top 50 to that 50 to 100 range. That's going to keep you inside the top seventy-five. Of course, you look for her record against top fifty opponents: seven and seven this season. So you look for her overall. Again, you combine those two things. She's what fifteen and thirteen overall this season against opponents ranked, you know, uh, in, against opponents inside the top one hundred. That's going to keep you inside the top 100. That's going to get you to number 46 in the world, especially when you mix in a Grand Slam quarterfinal, a WTA title, another WTA final, much to the breakthrough we've seen. You know, it's it's Karatsev-esque. It really is very similar to the run Aslan Karatsev has made this season in fact, is that the comparison? Is Victoria Golubic the female Aslan Karatsev? That is about to be something I tweet out. Is go, uh, after this pod, the car, I'm writing myself a little note. You hear uh, all of me doing that. So be ready for that tweet, listeners. You heard it here first live, but she's been exceptional. Here this season. And again, that's a really nice victory for her over Marketa Vandrusova to advance to the round of 64, where now she has a date with Maria Sakari. Of course, that was not your only three set match of the day. Kim Kleisters is always going to get a set. And again, she scrapped, she clawed, she fought. In the end, just too much power for Katerina Siniakova. She was able to withstand the test and just make that match physical. She earns a 6 1, 2 6, 6 2 victory. You know, it's super fun watching Kleister's play on court. There's no doubt about that. But if you're expecting her to make a title run to a Grand Slam, I don't want to say lower your expectations because that's so rude, but that's not how you should. Just enjoy getting to see her on court, getting to play and just – you know, experience the joy she's clearly experiencing on court, which in the end is what it's all about. But that was a three-set battle. Tons of three-set battles across the board. Caroline Garcia comes back from a set deficit. Three-set win for her over Flipkins Trevisan. Three-set win over Buzkova. Sevastova, three sets over Herzog Sharma. Three-set win continues. Just a tough season for Donna Vekic. You also had a three-set win. Your nightcap Kalinskaya, 6-1 in the third, over Claire Liu, You know, it was a so-so day for the American women and Ali Risk gets a straight set win over Liang. Uh Amanda Nisimova looked excellent one in one victory for her over fellow young American Katrina Scott Lauren Davis continues her good form of late. she earns a victory in straight sets fortunately Usoy Arkanada coming off of a title at the ITF circuit two weeks ago or maybe last week uh, or I think it was last week 60K maybe in Berkeley I think that's exactly what it was uh, she loses 0-2 to Alia Tamjanovic but you know again your other winners on the day: Meyer Sharif continues her exceptional season, one and three over Danka Kavinich, Serena Diaz, three and three over now Habino Magdalena Frech, one and four over uh, Shui Zhang, I believe, and then Anna Konya, two and two over Smudova. Diana Yastrzemsko, two and four over Giacomo. Now I know I focused more on the American men today, uh, but those are your uh, you know though, and more than the women's results in general. But rest assured. Come tomorrow's podcast, we will be talking about the women first because it's round of 64 day beginning on the women's side on Friday. So many fantastic matches across the board. Of course, if you want to hear my picks, hop on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. But with that round of 64 action underway comes matches between uh, Martha Kostjuk and Simona Halep, you get Sloane Stevens taking on Jessica Pegula, which was my Patreon match of the day, Benchic versus Rogers. hello, you get, you know, so many other good ones across the board as well, Sviantek versus Marchic, Kudermatova versus Samsonova, again, the return of Radhikanu and Fer- Leila Fernandez after their U.S. Open runs, they're back on court here in Indian Wells, even Plenty of action to enjoy on the women's side. You look at the closest matchups according to the tennis abstract formula here uh, during the matches. Samsonova 51.2% to Kudermetova's 48.8. Pavlochenkova, 53.3% to Madison Keys 46.7. Those are your only matches within the 60-40 realm on the women's side. You look on the men's side here. The matches we have today, a bunch of round of 128 affairs as well. You look. Across the board, the closest ones in terms of matchups: Milman-Sock, Milman sock, Milman fifty-three-four, Jack sock forty-six-six. I believe Albert Ramos fifty-three-eight to Musetti's forty-six-two, Rusevori fifty-nine point nine to Kopfers, forty-point-one, Emilio Gomez forty-seven point three to Magnus's fifty-two point seven, and then Vukic, uh, Andujar, Andujar fifty-four point five percent to Vukic's forty-five point five, plenty of exciting action across the board. And, of course, we will recap each and every day's action here on the Mini Break Podcast. Going to be working in guests throughout the course of the event as well. Hopefully, we'll have the chance to hear from some people on the ground. Uh, Of course, just expand our thoughts talk to people without through uh, without our, our throughout I should say our cracked rackets universe to just of course again provide all of you listeners with the sort of information you need to ensure you are enjoying all of the action in Indian Wells of course if you miss out on any of our content you can catch up on it all on our website crackedrackets.com like rate subscribe review to this podcast the cracked interviews podcast our great Shot podcast and our YouTube channel to ensure that you don't miss out on any of our content of course When you do leave that review, it helps us with the computer. So if you don't mind, it would be greatly appreciated. Of course, shout out as always to our super producers, Max Leder and Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15, with all that said for our super producers, Flieger and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.
0: Ha ha ha!